February 1st, Matthew chapter 21, verses 23 through 46. When Jesus returned to the temple and began teaching, the leading priests and other leaders came up to him. They demanded, By whose authority did you drive out the merchants from the temple? Who gave you such authority? I'll tell you who gave me the authority to do these things. If you answer one question, Jesus replied, Did John's baptism come from heaven, or was it merely human? They talked it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask why we didn't believe him. But if we say it was merely human, we'll be mobbed, because the people think he was a prophet. So they finally replied, We don't know. And Jesus responded, Then I won't answer your question either. But what do you think about this? A man with two sons told the older boy, Son, go out and work in the vineyard today. The son answered, No, I won't go. But later he changed his mind and went anyway. Then the father told the other son, You go. And he said, Yes, sir, I will. But he didn't go. Which of the two was obeying his father? They replied, The first, of course. Then Jesus explained his meaning. I assure you, corrupt tax collectors and prostitutes will get into the kingdom of God before you do. For John the Baptist came and showed you the way to life, and you didn't believe him while tax collectors and prostitutes did. And even when you saw this happening, you refused to turn from your sins and believe him. Now listen to this story. A certain landowner planted a vineyard, built a wall around it, dug a pit for pressing out the grape juice, and built a lookout tower. Then he leased the vineyard to tenant farmers and moved to another country. At the time of the grape harvest, he sent his servants to collect his share of the crop. But the farmers grabbed his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. So the landowner sent a larger group of his servants to collect for him, but the results were the same. Finally, the owner sent his son, thinking, "'Surely they will respect my son.' But when the farmers saw his son coming— They said to one another, Here comes the heir to this estate. Come on, let's kill him and get the estate for ourselves. So they grabbed him, took him out of the vineyard, and murdered him. When the owner of the vineyard returns, Jesus asked, What do you think he will do to those farmers? The religious leaders replied, He will put the wicked men to a horrible death and lease the vineyard to others who will give him his share of the crop after each harvest. Then Jesus asked them, Didn't you ever read this in the Scriptures? The stone rejected by the builders has now become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous to see. What I mean is that the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a nation that will produce the proper fruit. Anyone who stumbles over that stone will be broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. When the leading priests and Pharisees heard Jesus, they realized he was pointing at them 
that they were the farmers in his story. They wanted to arrest him, but they were afraid to try because the crowds considered Jesus to be a prophet. There is only one time in all of Scripture we are told to run. You better hear me. Only one time. And you know what it is? It's run from environments or settings that cultivate or enhance or stir up these intense cravings. It never ceases. I met with a young man recently. He said, Pastor, I just don't know how it happened. I, we saw, I sat, sat down with this girl about 1230 in her apartment, 1230 in the morning, and we start kissing and we start doing some other stuff. And I, I've been praying, singing, Lord, asking the Lord, saying, Lord, how did that happen? I said, shut up. What do you mean, how did that happen? Don't super spiritualize this. It happened because you were there after midnight alone in her apartment, sitting on a couch, sharing a blanket. And you put yourself in a setting that enhanced, cultivated, and promoted the intense cravings we all got. What you should have done, young man, is get up and said, I gotta go. And you should have turned and you should have ran. It says run, but pursue. Don't run aimlessly. That's what so many of us do. We hear these messages on resistless cravings. Don't do it. Don't be bad. You guys can't stop it. Quit sleeping around. We've all been there. You got to pursue something. That's why purity is a pursuit of God. What are you pursuing? You got to pursue it. But pursue with. Pursue with. Say, Judah, if you could leave me with only a few words to help me in my purity, what would it be? Flee, but pursue with. Don't ever forget that phrase. Flee, but pursue with. Flee, but pursue. It's not enough just to flee. It's not enough just to pursue. You need some people running with you. Because there's going to be some times when you're pursuing God and all of a sudden you get a little distracted while you're running. Who are you running with? Some of you will never cease to amaze me. You come up in here and you say, oh yeah, I want to flee. I want to pursue. But you're hanging out with people who are knuckleheads and they're serving themselves and they're self-centered. And so no wonder when you leave Jam United and you're going, oh yeah, I'm going to pursue God. It's going to be awesome. I'm going to do it. And you start running with all of your cronies and your homies and your minions and they're all a bad influence on you. So you never end up really gaining any traction in your pursuit of God. One of the most significant things you could do in this entire time is make a determination that you love your friends, that you're going to pray for your friends, but there's some of them that ain't running where you're running, and it hadn't been good for either one of you. Not the most popular message in the world. Who are you running with? That's why you got to get in the connect group. That's why you got to get in a small group. He said, we don't have small groups. Make you a small group. Get two or three other guys that are running like you're running. Start running together and start feeding off of each other and say, man, we're going to serve God together. We're going to do this the right way. Come on, we're going to spur one another on to good deeds and love and justice. Come on. 
For it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for his good pleasure. God is going to work for you. God is going to help you. You have a desire in here to live pure. But some of you, you are so in your pursuit, you're tired, you're weary, you're exhausted, and there's a sense of hopelessness set in. I believe one of the greatest assignments on my life is to tell young people all over the world that you can live pure, that you can live holy. I sat with a young man from the university that I minister at, and he sat with me in a group of uh, several young boys, and he looked at me and he said, Judah, he says, I've read this book. He said, I had no idea this was possible. I thought it was only in movies. I looked at him, I said, listen to me, you can live pure, not in yourself, not in and of yourself, you cannot. But Jesus, he will help you. You can master sin, you can dominate. I'm here to tell you, some of you have been so lied to. You're sitting here today and you think everyone just has turmoil and anguish as they're resisting the intense cravings of the flesh. And you think for the rest of your life, you're going to have to say no to what you really want to do and just serve God because that's what you have to do. And if that's all we get, if that's why Jesus died on the cross, forget it. I am not serving Jesus just because it's the right thing to do. I'm serving Jesus because he has arrested my mind, my will, my emotions. I'm in love with him.